do that right now, Jesus. I come against those with COVID. I come against those, Lord Jesus, that are dealing with sickness and disease, those that are being strugg- struggling because of a loved one that's been s- struggling with sickness. I come against it all, Jesus, to loose your presence. Lord, we seek your face today, and as we seek your face, we're doing so on behalf of those that are not able to be here. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to go where they're at right now, whether it be in a bedroom, a hospital room, whether it be, Lord Jesus, in their homes. I'm asking you right now to let the presence that we sense right here usher itself into their homes, into their rooms, wherever they may be, and let them feel the strength of your embrace. Let them feel the love and the prayers of their church. I'm asking you, God, to let them be edified and lifted up in the name of Jesus. Let the victory of the Lord be made manifest to them right now, oh God, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. What a day in the presence of the Lord. Welcome to all of our guests. We're so thankful that you're here with us. We pray that you will find Jesus to be very personal uh, to you in your own particular way. Praise God. And I'm thankful to be together with the church of the living God. And I I believe that today can be a landmark service for this church. I I believe that God is doing something even below the surface that we do not see, that we cannot comprehend, but it's bigger than we are, and it's more powerful than we are, and all we need to do is respond to him and follow him. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 16, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures, and as you're turning, I want to just... Uh, let you know of a couple of things that are coming up here in May. Believe it or not, we're almost there, even though it feels like February. <clears throat> but May is coming, and on the 15th of May is going to be another Baptism Sunday, and that's going to be fantastic. So if you'd like to be baptized or you know of somebody that would like to be baptized, just uh, let us know, and that's the day we're going to have it all ready to go. And then also on that day, we're going to have uh, baby and child dedications. At Spirit of Grace Church, we don't baptize infants. Uh, We dedicate them unto the Lord. And uh, so if you have a young child or if you have up to three, four, five, six years old that's never been dedicated unto the Lord and you would like to dedicate them, just let us know. And we want to have a very special dedication and baptism Sunday on the 15th of May. That's exciting, isn't it? And then uh, on the 21st of May, uh, I believe it's the 21st, it's that Saturday, we're going to have our annual work day. And uh, maybe I shouldn't have planned it that late and the weather would have cooperated better. But thankfully, hopefully the weather will be gone and we'll be able to clean up the grounds and get all of the yard and the property cleaned up and freshened up for the summer months and uh, we need everybody, the more hands, the quicker it'll go. And we want to, our team does a great, great job every week cleaning the sanctuaries and the Sunday school areas. Uh, but we need to do some deep cleaning and we'll get a dumpster here and get all the junk that we've built up. And, and our wonderful neighbors from somewhere have added to in the back. We'll get all that cleaned up that weekend. It'll be a great, 
time together. It's always fun. It's a lot of hard work, but it's fun to be together. So you don't want to miss that. Praise God. And uh, if you didn't notice as you walked in, you don't want your children missing Sunday school starting next week. It's going to be a great time. 9.30 is Sunday school again next week in the adult class. Trisha is going to be speaking. And, uh, and uh, then we also have our teenager class, and that's exciting as well. Praise God. Things are happening. I want to read from Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to speak for the next few moments. One second. I'll throw my voice out real quick. I want to preach for the next few minutes on this, the address of the church. The address of the church. You see, in order to get there, I need to set some foundational principles about what the church is not and what the church is. And I am today, this could apply to the universal church but I need you to understand that I don't pastor the universal church. I'm speaking to Spirit of Grace today. And if you're here, even if you're visiting, we just treat you as part of us. So just receive from it today. But I, I believe that God is speaking and doing some things. And there have been some things that have come against us. And there's things that have, that have been happening. And the blessings of God and the anointing of God is upon this particular church. I don't say that as a pat on the back. I don't say that boastfully. I say that very humbly, that God has chosen us for this time, that God has wrote, raised up a church in this location, in this area for a particular purpose, and to reach per people that need to be reached. Amen? So let me just go start by saying this is not what the church is. This, what the church is, not, it's not a club. It's not a club. We, we, don't, we may do some club-like things, but we, we're really not a club. We're also, we're, we're not a party. Now, we like to party, and we never are short of goodies at Spirit of Grace Church. And, and we enjoy having the celebrations, but this just isn't a party, because at parties you don't change. 
parties you come and you have a good time and you celebrate and you, and you laugh and you have a good time but you walk away and nothing has really changed. You just feel a little bit better. But my friend, when you come into the church, you may come in feeling low but you go out feeling better. You may not feel so hot physically, but by the time you're done worshiping and praising God together, you walk away from this place feeling rejuvenated and changed. So we're not a party. Thank God we're not a social function. We do social things, but you go to all the different social groups, the Masons, you, you, you go to... You, you, you go to all the different groups that are there that you have to have somebody elect you in and vote you in. And you got to go through a laundry list of items and fill out the application and have a reference here and a reference there to be called into like the Moose Lodge and, the, and, and all those kinds of things. And you've got to go through all these different aspects in order for you to become a member. I'll tell you how you become a member of Spirit of Grace Church. You come to Spirit of Grace Church. You don't have to interview with us. I'm not going to look into your history. I'm not going to do any of that kind of thing. I'm not going to try to figure out whether you fit or you don't fit. If you're here, I believe God ordered it. And if God ordered it, it's up to me to figure out what God wants to do. We're, we're not a social structure. The church is not a place to stimulate our egos. Now, there's some churches that are like that. There's some churches where you, you walk in and, and all of a sudden you feel this, well, I'm better than those that are walking down the street. I, I've got this together. I'm in my good clothes today. It's not, uh, it, we're not, we have nothing to do to stimulate our ego. We know who we are. We have been bought with the blood of Jesus. We're no better than the person out on the street other than the fact that we have crossed the threshold of Calvary and by his stripes, by his sacrifice, by the blood that was shed at Calvary, we are new creatures in him. We are children of the Most High. We are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. But it's not about us. It's all about him. The church is not a place to build a reputation. People have done that. People have done that. Whole churches have done that. They didn't meet their reputational structure, so they just decided to go do something different because it wasn't feeding their reputation. Can I just, let me just say this, and I'll close my, I'll look at my notes while I say it so you know I'm not talking about any of you in particular. But the day your feelings keep you from a blessing is the day that your reputation got in the way of God. The day your feelings keep you from a blessing from the Lord is the day that your reputation got in the way of God. How do I know that? Because I've watched it for years both in myself and in others. 
you get into an atmosphere where you don't want to look a little bit different and you want your reputation to be cool, calm, and collected, but on the inside you're crying out, on the inside you're wanting to shout, on the inside you're dancing and jumping, on the ins- but you don't want to make a fool of yourself. Can I just tell you something? I'd rather be a fool for Christ than somebody that just goes through the motions. Listen, put your reputation aside. Get in the presence of God. I don't think Isaiah, when the uh, the angels came in and grabbed the coal from the fire uh, of the altar and brought brought it and put it on his I don't think he was too concerned about his reputation. I know David wasn't concerned about his reputation when he danced before the Lord. I don't think Paul and Silas were worried about their reputation when they began to sing praises and worship in the dungeon. Let me just tell you something. I pray to God that each one of us in our own way would just learn to release that which is in us no matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what it does because when you let go of the things that are inside of you, God multiplies it. The church is not a building. Oh. I'm stepping on holy territory now. I love this building. I do. I I was there when the plans were drawn up. I, I, I love this building. I love the way it looks. I love the way it's attractive to the street. I love the way that it functions. I, I love all of those things. But can I just give you a warning? This building is temporal. We're not going to be here much longer. It may only be a couple of years until we're gone. We may be having to find a place and, and, and remodel it or do whatever. God's got it all in control. He's got to open it. But do you understand that there's 200 seats down here? And I know we're not overcrowded today, but I'm looking across and we're missing about 50 or 60 people that are normally here. We don't have much more room to grow in this facility. This building is not the church. The church is going to get bigger. We're just going to have to find another building. You see, the address of this building is 10110 Woodcrest Drive, Northwest, Coon Rapids, Minnesota, 55433. But can I share with you today that the address of this church is not that address. That's just the building's address. The address of this church is we are built on the rock of Jesus Christ just outside the gates of hell. I need to say that again. We are built on the rock of Jesus Christ just outside the gates of hell. That's what we're here for. That's why we're the church. Because he planted us and grew us just before somebody has to lose out with God. We are their last resort. We are their safety net. We are the ones with arms outstretched, spirits outstretched. You don't have to lose out. You don't have to go hopeless. You don't. We are the church. Come on in and check Jesus out. I'll get back to that in a second. 
the church is a gathering of believers to worship God. It is the body of Christ in the world today. Ephesians likens us to a building fitly framed together to to be the residence of his spirit. We are a shelter and a fortress from the world. We are a place of healing and hope and heaven's touch. That's what the church is. It's why you will never convince me that you can go to online church and be the church. Because it blows up in your face because the whole concept of the church is the gathering together of believers to worship together. Yes, you can sing and praise in your home as you're watching it, uh, uh, watching a, a message on the screen, and you can you can even feel the presence of God. But you're not being the church until you gather together with like-minded believers and lift the name of Jesus up. We're the church. Think about this in this passage that we read. See, here's what we like to think. We like to think that when God comes in and ministers to us and, and, and we're converted and maybe we're even born again and, and we're, we're born of the water and of the spirit and, and we're faithfully attending a church that what God does is he separates us from the world, and he puts us in a cocoon so that the world can't affect us anymore, and so the world can't trip us up anymore, and so that the world can't trouble us anymore. But I I don't want to blow your theological bubble today, but when God called you out of what he called you out of and placed you in the kingdom... It wasn't to separate you from the world. It was set set for you to change the world. Let, let Let me just say this. Jesus decided that he is the only way to heaven, if you will, the only way to deity, if you will, the only way to be saved, if you will. And so he lines himself up just outside the gates of hell. How do I know that? Because when he died on Calvary, where did he go? He went and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Let let me, you see, it was as if Jesus was saying at that moment of time, Satan, I was there when you frustrated Abraham. I was there when you captured and and oppressed my people in Egypt. I was there when you frustrated them in the wilderness. I was there when Babylon came and took them over. I was there when you troubled Peter and Paul. I was there when you messed with the early church fathers. I was there when I when you were frustrating and messing with the early church. But then he goes on, I believe, to say, I was there when he messed with Travis. I was there when he messed with Jason. I've watched you. I've been around you. I know what you've been capable of. But I am raising up a church whose hell cannot prevail against it. 
a people who are on fire for God. And no matter what you may attempt, no matter what you may try, it's been through the fire. It's been through the flood. It's been persecuted. It's been oppressed. But the church is still here. church, the church, the church, spirit of grace, church. See, a lot of you don't know the storms and the fires and the trials and the muck and the mire that this church has been through. In all actuality, this church shouldn't exist. It should have closed its doors years ago. The amount of obstacles, the amount of fighting, the amount of uh, mire that it had to go through, the amount of, uh, of anger, the amount of wrath, the, the bad reports, the, the false accusations. This church should have folded a long time ago, but there was something in the heart of a few people that said, no, 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 we're going to make this work by the help of God. And little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, this church has overcome its obstacles. And I believe that God has stepped to the forefront of this church today and said, I'm getting ready to move you even to a higher level. I'm getting ready to give you a brand new dominion, a brand new authority, and a brand new power. If you will just heed my voice. Oh, if some of you knew the nightmares of what this church has endured, but it's still here. <laughs> And it's not going anywhere because it's his church. It's his church. You see, here's what I believe that God is calling us to in this hour especially. Is he has established, notice the passage that I read. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The, the gates is, is simply the power and the authority of a particular uh, territory. And so what Jesus is saying is on the church, the power and the authority of hell will have no authority or power at all. It's why you have to be the church. Oh, let me put it to you this way. You on your own, let me even go further than that. Do you know why the enemy messes with you individually? And not, do you, do you get it? The reason why he messes with us individually is because he knows he can win sometimes. But he knows what Jesus declared the church, he has no power over. So what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. When the enemy starts messing with me, starts knocking on my door, I've got to find one of you. I don't go to a textbook. I don't go necessarily to a therapist. Don't get me wrong. All of those are good. But get me to the church 
because the church is the church and will always be the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So when I'm down, when I'm fighting, when I'm struggling, that's the reason why a lot of times when somebody is feeling that way, they want to stay away from the church. I'll tell you what that is. It's the voice of the enemy saying, you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it. But in all actuality, if you will just get yourself to the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the church. Get yourself to the church and let the church lift you up and let the church surround you and let the church do the work when you're not strengthened. And it may be just another month later when somebody calls you says, I can't make it. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. You can be everything that Jesus wants you to be. You can be victorious. You can be overcoming. You can walk in power. You can walk in authority. You can walk in the anointing of Almighty God because you are a part of the church of the living God and the church is the instrument and the tool for God to reach man. And so he builds the church, Spirit of Grace Church, right on the rock, just outside the gates of hell. When you came into this thing and you were born again of water and spirit, he didn't remove you from the world to protect you from the world. He placed you at the doorway to hell. He did so for one reason, because every person has to go by the church if they're going to be lost. Listen, if you don't make it with Jesus... It's not somebody else's fault. Ah, Help me get this, Lord. Listen, let me put it to you this way. If you make up your mind this afternoon that you don't want to serve the Lord any longer, that this thing's not for you, let me dare say this. Let me take you a walk past a pastor's office that prays every day over his desk over each one of you. You're going to have to walk over that. You're going to have to trample that. You're going to have to walk over a praise team who faithfully comes every Sunday to sing a song as unto the Lord. You're going to have to walk over some people that show up every Wednesday morning faithfully to three, four, five people praying over this church. You're going to have to walk over at Chain Breakers Ministry on Wednesday night. You're going to have to do it You're going to, because we're just outside the gates of hell. You're going to have to walk over a catalyst. You're going to have to walk over. Ah, you're going to have to walk over the church. I have asked God this week to ignite this church as a beacon for all of those people that are walking the opposite direction from God. And I'm asking him to ignite a flame in us so that we would stand with our light, our torches lit, and be the last haven, the last oasis, the last gas station before hell. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should find eternal life. So that's what he's asked us to do. That's what he's asked us to do. Listen, 
We need to adjust our fight. We need to adjust our fight. We need to gain victory on our own. But now we need to start fighting for those that aren't here yet. And I said yet. Listen, all of us have some loved ones that don't know Jesus. All of us have some friends that don't know Jesus. And my God, they have to walk by us. They have to walk over us and through us. If it would get on the inside of us to reach out from our comfort zone, to reach out from the padded seat, to reach out from the comfortable fellowship and the parties, to reach out from the the, the moving of the Spirit here and say, listen, my friend, don't go any further, but come on into the church. It's built on the rock. We're just outside the gate of hell, but don't worry about it. Hell can't do anything about us. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So what does that do? What does that mean for us? What do we have to do? I'll tell you what we are called to do. We are called to live lives that are compelling of Jesus. So people want to come. So people want to come into the house of the Lord. It's maybe just a casual conversation with somebody. It might be giving them a tract or giving them a Bible. I don't know what all it entails, but our lives, whatever God calls each individual to, has to live such a life that's compelling. Am I saying we fake it through life? No. But my worst day is in heaven in the church is better than the best day outside of the church. I don't care how bad my day is, how bad I'm feeling, how much anger I've got, how much oppression I've got. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. The worst day in the church is better than the best day outside of it. So I can always have a smile on my face. I can always have a ready word. I can always have a ready testimony, not because things are perfect, but because I'm a part of a church that is perfect. Yes, you're perfect. I'll tell you why you're perfect. Because there is a strong desire to hold the hand of the master throughout our lives. And Jesus is leading us. Jesus is leading us. Live a compelling life. Smile at the checkout counter. Be a good tipper in restaurants. I've been told 90% of waiters and waitresses know when they do a bad job anyhow. And they expect a bad tip. Just bless them. You don't know what they're going through. What else do we do? I'll tell you what else we do. We put our arms wide open for our fellow church members. You don't understand this. I can't stand not being here on a Sunday because I can't stand not seeing you. 
It's not about me preaching. It's not about the function of the church. I like walking, watching you walk through the doors. I like shaking your hand. I like seeing your smile. Why? Because I know the church is alive and well, and anybody that doesn't know him can walk through those doors, and I have no fear that they're not going to be received. I have no fear that you're not going to be friendly. I have no fear that they're not going to be loved. I have no fear that they're not going to feel the mercy and the grace of the master. I have no fear. Why? Because the church is the best place in the world. Oh. Which brings me towards the close of this message. The second thing that we have to do on a consistent and constant basis is to create space. We've got to do it. I'll tell you why we've got to do it. Because the blessings of God cannot be released into full vessels. And if the vessels are full, the thing that's inside the vessel grows stagnant. and petrifies. I I want you to think about that. If you don't create the space, you remove the opportunity for God's blessing. I, I, I want to create space. On an individual basis and a corporate level, uh, there's things that I have to do in my own life that I've got to create opportunity for people. I I know that, and, and you probably know that as well. But as this church, we've got to create space so that the blessings of God can walk through the door. Because if there's no room for the blessings of God, he can't send them to us. I know we've shared this, either my wife has shared it or I've shared it on a number of occasions, but we have so many new people, so if you've heard it, just bear with us. My wife is a type 1 diabetic. She's been diabetic since she was, I think, 8 years old. And so when I asked her dad to get married, (laughs) I made sure to ask him seven minutes before church started. And he knew I opened the service. (laughs) Yeah, I was chicken. (laughs) And he, he, he told me one thing. He says, the only thing that I have to tell you, Tim, is that she'll never be able to be a foreign missionary. I said, well, thank God, because neither will I. That was in 1991 that I asked him. We got married in 1992, September 12th, 1992. The doctors told us that we would never have children. And so we just accepted that. We just said, okay, we get it. We put all of our heart and our energy into a bunch of teenagers 
And so we have a hundred and some odd kids and grandkids and great-grandkids somewhere around the country. Some of you have met some of them. Some of you ladies met Carrie maybe here at the last ladies' deal. She was one of our kids. And uh, so we just put our heart and focus into that. But in the back of our minds, we always wanted to have kids. And so it was about 2001, 2002, probably 2001, we get a call from the pastor's wife. And she tells us, I know you want to have kids. There's an opportunity for an open adoption. You'll just have to fly out to Virginia to pick up the baby when the time comes. Are you interested? Well, yeah. At the time, I didn't really know what was all going to happen. But we had a three-bedroom home, only about 1,500 square feet. It wasn't a big home. The master bedroom was a 10 by 11 with a half bath. The two other bedrooms were like 10 by 10s. I mean, it was a, it was a small house. And so my in-laws moved from Dover, and they were going to just stay with us for a little while. Well, we were so generous to give them the 10 by 11 room with the half bath. And so what my wife and I realized is that 10 by 10 doesn't work for us. And so we knocked out a wall, and so we had a 10 by 20. We had the nice area where we had the king bed, and then the other side we had the sitting area and all of that. And uh, it, it, was, it was very nice for us. And so in 2001, we're getting ready to go and pick up Donovan. We already had a name for him, Don Evan, Donovan. And uh, <clears throat> so she took the little closet in one of our bedroom and moved my clothes down the hallway to another room because she was creating and putting some baby clothes in that one because the plan was the baby would stay in our bedroom until it was big enough to go to the other bedroom. Sounds good? We get a call just before we're getting on a plane that the, the, the mother fell and, and the baby didn't survive. Our hearts were shattered. Our hearts were shattered. We still consider Donovan ours. We'll see him. We'll meet him one day. When the trumpet sounds, we're going to meet him for the first time. I just have to believe that. So a day or two went by, and her mom and her were at the house, and they were starting to, if I get the story right, and she can fix it later, but they were starting to get the closet back to normal. But something between the two of them said, no, 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 leave it hanging there. Create space for the blessing that I want to give you. So for the next year and a half or so, I think there was like two or three baby boy outfits in this empty closet that just stayed an empty closet. I still went down the hall to my clothes. June of 2002 on Father's Day, Pastor Gleason calls my wife and I aside during the altar service. And he pulls us aside and he looks at us and he says, it's all over me right now. God wants to give you a child. And so he laid his hands upon us, and he began to pray over us, and we felt the anointing of the Lord. 
And what ended up happening is just a couple of months later, we're visiting our family in Minnesota. <laughs> we're at Holido the Holodome in St. Cloud. And she's, her sugars are just going all over the world. Just crazy. Couldn't control them for anything, which wasn't normal. And so I said, well, should I just go get a test? Well, I don't know. Well, I'm going to get a test. So here I am at the Walgreens or something up there in St. Cloud buying pregnancy tests. I bring it back. We do the test. We look at the outcome. She and I look at each other, and we said this. We didn't even say anything. We looked at each other. Get Jen. She's had four. We didn't believe the test. We go out of the room. I called my sister down from the other room and said, come and look at this and tell us what you think. She came she said, yeah. <laughs> and just a few months later, Owen is born. Now, that is a great story, but we believe that it was because we left space in the home that God sent us the blessing. But let me just tell you something. A few years later, this guy comes along. We're still living in the same house. Can I tell you how we created space for him? I didn't even realize it until this, this week when I'm studying. Here's how we, re, here's how we found our space for, for God sending another blessing to us. We took that 10 by 20 room now. Mom and dad had moved out and got their own house. Do you want to know where I ended up? I ended up in the 10 by 11 with the half bath. And Owen, who couldn't even walk yet, had the big double bedroom so he could have his crib in one side, all of his toys on the other side. Can I just tell you what we did without even realizing it? We created space for him to come along and bless us with another son. And let me just tell you, the more you create space, the more God is able to move. The more space and territory you create, the more God is able to fill. Don't let yourself get so full. But what does that have to do with today? I'll tell you what it has to do with today. We came here My wife didn't even know the offer was on the table at first because she was in the hospital with Declan. And I wasn't going to tell her that she might move to the one place she never said she'd move to. I figured, wait till pregnancy is over, then I'll drop the bomb that... So we come up at the beginning of October, shortly after Declan was born. We visited and we preached. Then we came up again, I think it was just before Thanksgiving, and this church voted on us the 1st of December, 2nd of December, and voted us for us to come. Do you know what my first board meeting was about? Expanding the church. I've learned this principle, my friend. It's not a build it and they will come thing. It's a create space and he'll fill thing. Listen, that was in 2008, 2000, beginning of 2009. This church, when it was in that little area, and those that were here, you can attest to it, we would bounce and get to a regular attendance of about 60 to 65 
for about three, four, five weeks, six weeks, and then we would drop back down to 35 or 40. And then we would go a little bit further, and new people would come, and we'd get to 60 or 65. And, and, and I finally look, looked at the board. I said, we have got to do something even though it doesn't make sense. And the board said, yes, we do. We said, because if we get all of our ducks in a row and we have everything just perfect, all we're going to be is a church of 40 going up to 60, back to 40, up to 60, back to 40. We've got to create some space for God to fill. And so a few years ago, we started a giving campaign. And this church, with 24 giving units, raised over $200,000 in the matter of three years and paid off a mortgage. Now, now I, I say that to say this. Let me just do it this way. And, and this is still part of my preaching, but I, I told you this was going to be a commitment Sunday. If you have started attending this church within the last three years, would you stand? Here, here's, what I, here's what I want to tell you. If they hadn't sacrificed to create more space, you wouldn't be here because you wouldn't fit. You would have had to sit on the roof. You would have had to sit outside. There was no possible way because there was no more space for people to attend the church. And so the people before you said, here I am. I'm going to give. You can be seated. I'm going to give so that we can create some space. And three years ago, just a couple of days ago, we dedicated this sanctuary unto God. And in the last three years, you see the outcome. And three of those years, two and a half were dealt with the pandemic. Don't tell me if there's space, God won't fill it. He'll fill it in the middle of a pandemic. He'll fill it in the middle of a war. He'll fill it no matter what. If you create the space, he will fill it. And so my question today for all of us, those that have been here forever, those are brand new, do you want to create a little bit more space so that somebody like yourself has a place to come and find Jesus? It could be their last step before they're lost for eternity. It could be their last, because we're built right outside the gates of hell on the rock of Jesus. Well, pastor, why is it all about the money? Listen, our tithe and offering, I, I honor you so much. This church is a tithing church. This church is a giving church. I know that our, we have never taken up a special offering to put the electric bill paid for. Now, that may sound funny to some of you, but I know of churches in the twos and the three thousands that people that attend that church have told me on a weekly basis the pastor is in the pulpit saying we need to have a real good offering because our insurance isn't paid, our electric isn't paid. I, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to teach a lesson on tithing to that church, but number two, see what kind of stewards they are. I say that because in that church about 18% tithed. No wonder they were begging for money. Because they had never taught about the stewardship and the partnership with God. This church knows about tithing. We have an 85 probably percent of us here that, that tithe. That's all, yeah, give yourself, that's awesome. 
So this today isn't about the tithe and the offering. This is about above and beyond that. I am asking you for a 36-week until the last day of December of this year to sacrifice something unto God so that we can get some things done. What are we getting done? I'll tell you what we're getting done. This side of the platform is going to disappear, and it's going to be seating. This up until the wall here. I wish we could get rid of the wall, but we can't. But we're going to get rid of this part of the platform, and the seating's going to come around there. That's going to get us about 60 to 70 more seats in the house of the Lord. But to do that, we've got to put the drums in the center. Have you ever stood in front of Paul or Owen when they're drumming? You don't hear anything. I don't know how Brian does it. So what are we going to do? That kind of a cage won't work. The praise team will never hear themselves. So we've got to invest in a nice prayer, or prayer. We'll pray over it for sure. But a drum cage that we can enclose our drummer and not cook him. That's going to cost some money. We're going to have to do some carpet work. That's going to cost a little bit of money. We're going to add one more restroom, another family restroom just on the other side of this family restroom. That's going to give us another restroom. We're getting ready for our kids. Did you see all those kids last week? We're getting ready to knock two walls out. So they're going to have two huge rooms that they can do whatever. And if you haven't glanced at what they're getting ready for next week, take a glance before you leave. Just don't knock anything over. And and, and so we've got to get that done. How many have walked or sat in the church and you've heard a compressor go off? Yeah, it's not supposed to. But it's almost 20 years old. It's got to be replaced. I'll tell you why it's got to be replaced. Because if it's not, Tony Welsh gets calls in the middle of the night saying an alarm is going off because there's not enough air in the, the sprinkler system. And then he ignores the call and lets me get the second call. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. He gets it just about every time. What, what, what am I talking about? Are these things that we have to do? Yeah. Why? Because we're just outside the gates of hell. And people that drive by this place, God's going to attract them. Listen, this isn't about me. This isn't about us patting ourselves on the back. I I didn't preach this to manipulate you into giving. I preached this to cast a vision of why we're asking you to commit. I'm not asking you to commit the same thing for everybody. I'm asking you to sacrifice what God is laying on your heart. It's going to be different for everybody. It may even not, in some cases, it's really not a sacrifice. Do you want to know what $2,500 of a commitment between June and the beginning of the year is? It's one trip for four to Subway. Yeah, whoa is right. Got the call. Can you pick up Subway for dinner? Sure. Want to know how much a foot-long sub is nowadays? $14.99. For three of us, it wasn't even four of us. For three of us, it was over $60 at Subway. Is my Subway club worth more than you? No. Well, Pastor, I've got to eat. 
Sure, but I could have taken that $60 and had four dinners at home and still had 45 or $50 to give. If you can't even do that, if you can just do $20 a week, that's $720 of giving in the next nine months. If I had five people that just did $20 a week, the drum cage is taken care of. Which means we can get rid of the platforms. Which means we can add seats. Which means we can invite more people. Unfortunately, when they built this building, those walls are structural. So we've got to have a structural engineer come in and redo them so we can open it up. But when we do... Just think of how many more kids we can get into Sunday school on Sunday and get the Word of God in their heart. Oh, my. I want you to bow your heads. Jesus, you have called us to be the church. Hmm. And you have placed us just outside the gates of hell because you know that hell cannot prevail. But we're the last line of defense of the people that you are trying to get a hold of (sighs) into the house and the kingdom. God, there's too many people that are losing out with God. There's too many people that are not making a decision to serve you. There are too many people that are hurting and lost and hopeless. Lord, we need to be a beacon, and we need to be a beacon just outside of hell. God, don't let anybody lose out with you before they come into contact with the church, the universal church, but more specifically this church. Help us to be ready to receive. Help us to be ready to reach out. Help us to be ready with a ready word and a, and a prayer and, and, a, and a show of love and compassion, oh God. Lord, help us to create space both on an individual level and on a corporate level. And, Lord, we've been asking you for the last couple of weeks what you would like us as individual giving units to do for your kingdom, to create some space in this house. I'm asking you right now to solidify that total in the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. Now, listen. Here's how this will play out for the next few months. We're going to give you a monthly report. We're going to give you a monthly report of what has been given. When you fill out an envelope, when you write a check, whatever it is, just put creating space on it. We'll have it on Easy Tithe. And we've got a new thing, by the way, that we want you to investigate. Uh, If you go right to our website on the front page, it'll say giving without fees. I think that's what it says, right? that. Give no fees. Uh, We found a company called NetGiver that the credit unions uh, use and we're we're participating in so that there's no, see there's a 3% fee on everything you give through Easy Tithe because the processing of credit cards or debit cards, whatever it is. And so the church pays a 3% fee on everything. 
Right, I was getting to that. She's ahead of me. And so the credit union started this thing with NetGiver so that there is no processing fees. And uh, recently, they and it's the reason why we haven't said much about NetGiver because it was focused narrowly. Some of you have already been using it. But just recently, they have opened this up to all banks. And so NetGiver is available to any of anybody that wants to use it. And if you'll just click on that and follow the, the prompts, you can easily do that. We'll still have Easy Tithe available if it's easier for you or whatever. You don't want to do this kind of a thing. But, but so at the end of a, every month, we'll give, Taryn will give me the numbers that have either come in in the offering physically, Easy Tithe, net giver or whatever, she'll be able to give me the total and we'll, we'll let you know as it's going forward where we're at. Here, here's what we're going to do today. Randy's getting ready to pass out a commitment card. And uh, I don't have a commitment card for every person, but I think I have enough for every giving unit. Okay, I ran out of card stock this week. Um, but I think there's enough for every giving. Well, what's a giving unit? Well, my wife and I, we don't give separately. It just comes from, so we're one giving unit. Owen gives on his own, so he's his own giving unit. Does that make sense? So giving units. And, and so as Randy uh, makes his way through, would you just raise your hand if you're a giving unit, and he'll give you a commitment card. Praise God. And if we don't have enough, just keep it from the board. I know where they live. No, I'm just keep kidding. And then in just a second, we're going to pray and we're going to ask you to fill this out. He's going to get a bunch of pens. If you need a writing utensil, he'll walk through uh, and give you something to write with. If not, we can share. And in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'll have you just come and put it on the platform. Now, nobody's going to know who what your commitment is except for me, and Taryn will eventually know because you'll be giving it and she uh, processes it. But next Sunday, we're going to reveal, because there's several that aren't here. Uh, we've got board members that are sick. Dwayne and Carol came back from Colorado sick, and they're overcoming that right now. And uh, again, this is above and beyond your tithe. This is a sacrificial giving. Uh, to the work of God. And uh, anything that comes in with change or creating space, wh whatever comes in for that is going to go to either the platform, the restroom, the Sunday school, or the compressor. There's a couple other things we want to do as well. That We need some more lighting in the parking lot. Everybody say amen. If you haven't been here at night. Uh, and that will be part of it. But anything that comes in above and beyond the cost of what we're trying to get done, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to uh, place towards our mortgage. So this isn't going to normal operating expense. It's not going to, it's not going to me. It's not going to uh, any of our missions. This, this change, I don't know why I keep saying change, creating space, all of this will only go to the things of this building, whether it be all of the things we want to do or the mortgage. Does that make sense? Okay, so none of it's going to stay 
uh, with us. We need one more over here, I think, or at least a, a pen. Praise God. Right behind you, Owen. I appreciate this, and I am so excited about what you're going to do. Now, on that form, if you're going to put down what you're committing per month, just put MO next to it. Otherwise, put what you're doing for the whole thing. For some people, it will, it, it will be different. If God gave you a monthly number, then go by the month. If God gave you an overall number, go by the overall number because here's what I've learned is God gives us an overall number, and then in our heads we kind of figure out what it is per week. And then some weeks we'll have to double and some weeks we won't because just depending on how things happen during the season. Does that make sense? And I can do the math if you put down month. And uh, there's 36 weeks, by the way. There's 36 weeks between May 1st and December 31st. Does anybody else need a, a writing utensil or anything? Praise God. Oh, and over here. You gave him a dead one. Praise God. If you'd go ahead and fill those out now. Here's, here's what I believe is getting ready to happen. And then we'll close and dismiss for the day. Well, let me, let, me do it to, let me do it this way. Let me ask it this way. For all of those that were a part of the one campaign, you know what that was a couple of years ago. How many, when we did that commitment, thought that this is what it was going to look like? Raise your hands. How many think that it's a much greater than what we thought it was going to be? See what, see what happens? We had people's minds blown when we gave the commitment, and then we said, well, if it all comes in. Well, it's all come in, number one. Number two, this is the results. So what's going to happen with this group of people? How many giving units approximately? There's approximately 40 give. We have twice the amount of giving units within three years. Three years. That's, that's 20 more giving units than what we had before. That's awesome. That's a God thing. So here's what's getting ready to happen. You're going to commit. We're going to start to give. You're going to start to see some construction things going on. You're going to start to see some changes to the building. And then all of a sudden, you're going to turn around, and there's 20 new faces. And you're going to wonder, well, what did we do? All we did was create space. Some of your loved ones are going to show up. Some friends that you've been working on are going to show up. We're going to reach other people. It's going to bless your individual ministries as well as the ministries of this church. God's getting ready to move, my friend, because we're the church. And if there's ever been a time where the church needs to come alive just outside the gates of hell, it's today. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do, if you would. Would you just stand with me? I know this is a weird ending to a different kind of service.
But here's what we're going to do. I want to dismiss in prayer. And then instead of throwing it all over the platform, I'm just going to have you come and give it to me, and then you can say goodbye to me for the day. Instead of at the door, I'll meet you here. And uh, I want to say one last thing. If you could only give a dollar, and that's a sacrifice to you, God is going to bless you. And if you can only give a million, God's going to bless you, we might bless you. I'm just teasing. It's not about what you're giving. It's about the sacrifice because it takes a sacrifice to create space. I sacrificed a closet and a bedroom, and I got two boys out of it. I know that sounds trivial, but that's the way it is. So what happens when we create some space with sacrifice? Praise God. We love you all so very much. God bless you, and have a great week.